What's going on, guys? This is Ryan with Torsion Talk Podcast, and today I've got a gentleman on with me I'm super excited about. You definitely do not want to miss this. Mike Blumenthal is going to be on with us today, but before we get into that, this podcast is brought to you in part by Shorewinder, the industry-leading tool for winding residential and commercial springs with a cordless drill. Let us shoulder the burden for you, and check us out at Surewinder.com. Hey, guys, before we get into the show, I need to let you know, not only do I own a garage door company, I also own and run a marketing agency. If you need help with your marketing, make sure you contact us at 404-445-3494 or check us out at garagedoormarketing.co. That's garagedoormarketing.co. All right, guys, we have Mike Blumenthal here with us today. How are you, sir? I am well. I do have, I take uh, one exception with your original introduction, and that is about my gentlemanliness. <laughs> I tend to not be such, but... Well, that is part of the reason why I liked having you on the show because uh, I enjoy your personality. You're very uh, vibrant and exciting to uh, to talk to. I've seen you in quite a few, like uh, you do conferences, you speak at conferences a lot. And uh, I, I have been on a lot of the online conferences lately. And uh, one of the things we were actually in here it was uh, Austin and I were watching, I think, the first online local U. And um, it started out like I think you started drinking. And then by the end, it was obvious. But it was my favorite part of the whole thing. And uh, that was fun. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> I, I'd walk a mile for a good bourbon. <laughs> I don't blame you. Uh, a good bourbon is hard to come by. All right. So, uh well, let's talk a little bit about you, your background, uh, what your specialties are, and then we'll get into a little bit about uh, what, what I believe you are great at, and we'll dig into uh, the company that you work for. So tell us a little bit about yourself and where you came from. So I grew up in rural western New York and into a family retail business. So instead of getting an allowance, I worked in the business. I joined that business in full-time in 1980, opened a computer department which in 2001, I had the unfortunate task of closing a 60-year-old business, family business. We basically got our asses kicked by Amazon, Walmart, B&H Photo, and mm. all these guys. It was, uh, so uh, at, prior to that closing, I had started with my brother on internet design and hosting company. And that got me into search because I kept that part of the company when we closed the main business. So I built a, we built a, open source content management system in 2000 it became clear that i was building uh, websites for local not-for-profits and local businesses it became clear that if they didn't show up in the search engines they wouldn't even have any traffic let alone right. just a little traffic right so started in seo 2001 i live like i said live very rurally uh to get to 250,000 population i had to travel 60 miles in any direction and to find leads, I had to have nine yellow page books. In fact, if you look over my left shoulder, you can still see some of the old yellow yeah. page books that keep them around for historical purposes. But I needed nine yellow page books. So when Google Maps came out in 2000, or local listings came out in 2005, I was ecstatic because I could do prospecting from my office uh, without uh, a ton of yellow page books. And I used Google local listings and it 
to, to do prospecting. And, and then the next year it merged with Google Maps. So it was maybe late 2005, early 2006. Nobody was really writing uh, just because it interested me uh, with the likes of Matt McGee and Bill Slavsky and David Mim and various people. And I didn't have any work in local. I mean, I was still doing websites and obviously optimizing them, but I, I started to speak at conferences, got some work in local. I think 2011 was my first paying job. Uh, started Local U in 2010 with David Mim and Mary Bowling, which was a training group to help businesses and agencies do ethical marketing in local, which in the garage, I, I'm not sure I, you know, in the garage door industries, it, it's a bit of a conundrum, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, it's a big problem. Um, and then uh, out of that came a relationship with Don Campbell, and we started Gather Up in 2000, late 2012. We rolled it out early, and ultimately those two endeavors sort of replaced my local search consultancy, which had become mainly what I did in those days. And then uh, last fall, sold both Local U and Gather Up, and I'm still working for Gather Up. Uh, we have a really nice company bought us. Uh, by Traject, which is a uh, marketing tech stack. Uh, but probably February, I'll be cutting back and gather up and moving on to whatever the next few projects might be. So Sounds exciting. You've been around the block a little bit. Um, yeah, I have been, but it's been a fun ride. You know, before I worked for my father or with my brother and father, I was a mountaineering guide for National Outdoor Leadership School in Africa and Alaska did kayaking trips and stuff. So, um, you know, I, Adrian uh, looks shocked, but impressed. So that's pretty uh, well, cool. Any I've cool stories from things that? I just enjoyed doing and I'm fortunate that I was able to put food on the table doing them. So, uh, it's kind of a self selfish way of approaching a career, but I've always just uh, oh, that looks interesting. Started writing about it like in local. It took me five years to get my first job. I mean, I wrote for five years before I got my first job in local, but in the end it became, you know, a significant part of my career. Nice. And, and who all do you write for? Cause, cause you're kind of a known as a little bit of a product expert, like local search. And then now because of your experience with gather up uh, a little bit of reputation management now too, right? Yeah, so I have a blog at my Blumenthal's.com, which is sort of not as active, Blumenthal's.com forward slash blog, which used to be where I wrote for almost exclusively. And then, you know, throughout the years, I wrote for Search Engine Land and Street Fight. But right now I'm writing for Gather Up and Local U okay. uh, primarily. I do a podcast every Monday for Local U yep. called Last Week in Local. So you and, and then Carrie, again, right? Gather Up, I wrote. What's that? You and Carrie? Yeah, me and Carrie and uh, Mary some days if she's yeah. not out kayaking or skiing or biking nice so yes um which is fun because it i read a lot and you know i have a very just super nice to be able to sort of summarize my week's readings share ideas with them and see what's up what's your favorite book what's my favorite book hmm. i probably uh, something by ursula Le Guin, like the left hand of darkness uh, I so just you love, like fiction? Um, yeah, I, I don't. I mean, I read a lot of nonfiction. I read a lot of um, 
economics and science and that sort of stuff but okay. it's hard to find those as favorites those are just to keep my right. mind active and yeah, to learn more but in terms of my favorites it would be something by ursula Gwynn. gotcha if you've never so, read her i mean she's a great she's science fiction but she's just does a great job of helping explore feelings and social norms in the context of some future scenarios so a little bit psychological writer. book huh uh, sort of a social psychological science fiction okay uh, where she looks at behaviors and you know ethics and morals and stuff in a, in so way. it's very very opening my favorite author is a gentleman by the name of donald miller i don't know if you've ever heard of him um i don't know i found out about him through a book that he wrote uh called blue like jazz um it's a very interesting he, he's a great storyteller um after that he kind of got put on the map they made a movie about it and then he came out uh a little bit later wrote another book and then he's now he's just pumping out books like crazy but uh he's started a company called story brand it's actually r really really good um my whole staff's read it and we kind of um adopted some of the uh the uh what do you call them principles principles of the book thank you um so anyway let's talk a little bit about the impact of reviews and uh how, what 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 do reviews do how do they help a business and, and how how do they affect consumer decisions well, let me step back a little bit and just give you the context of my philosophy about marketing. One is, I, I, I don't know if you know John Jans from Duct Tape Marketing, but he described an hourglass of, you know, we've always talked about the funnel of people coming into a business, you know, uh, exploration, discovery, and then sale, and then post sort of as a funnel, and then post-sale contact and reviews. He talks about it in terms of an hourglass where somebody searches have a need they define the need they search they find you they interact with you you do a great job and you get a recommendation or review from them and then they come back into the funnel or send their friends back into the funnel so it's more of an hourglass and i'm a big believer in a business's creating that sort of special world where their customers love to give them positive feedback and love to give them recommendations right. so that they and their friends come back into the funnel so in the context of that um, reviews are just a, for me two things one is they're a great way to listen to your customer and listening from my point of view and from you know as part of it part of the other is sort of a business superpower right if you actually stop and listen and you don't just try to get one more review, but you use reviews as a way to improve your business, to manage your business, to market your business, um, you can leverage them in a rich way to help tell stories you couldn't otherwise tell in your marketing because it's in the consumer's voice and to learn where your weaknesses are. I truly believe that complaints are the building blocks of a, of a great business. And so you want to engender as much feedback as you can. So in that, so in that context, I see reviews as just a way to create this powerful flow through your business where you deal with a person and when you first talk to them, you say, gee, you know, we hold ourselves to high standards. 
we'd hope that when you were done, you recommend us. But if you don't, we would hope that you would give us feedback as to how we did. You get feedback and then you build on it. The, the other philosophy that I have is that in the world of digital marketing, you should own as many of your assets as possible. That it's one thing to occasionally rent space from Google or Facebook, but you really want to own your relationship with your customer. You want to own the digital assets that contribute to that. So that's sort of the philosophical context in which I view reviews. Uh, I don't see them as just one more review at Google because one more review is going to theoretically lead to a ranking increase. It doesn't, it's not linear like that. I mean, reviews do lead to ranking increases, but it's kind of a stair step effect. Um, but I believe that I'm a, I'm a big believer in, in once you have enough reviews at Google, that you, you've hit whatever the ranking steps are, like 10 and 100, and you have as many or maybe 10 or 50% more than your competitors, then you need to start thinking about what else can reviews do for you. Right. And there's just a lot. Uh, so uh, they can be used as social proof on your, they can use this content on your website to help convince people that come to your website to buy from you. They can be used to help you manage your business. So reviews you are say a about, rich, rich resource. So, so we're talking to a bunch of door guys. So when you use terms like social proof, I might stop you and just say, all right, let's explain social proof because it's terminology that you and I probably use on a regular basis, but not probably layman's terms. So uh, right. what what Mike's talking about so, is being able to take the, the content of the review and post it in a way uh, on social media that it lets other people know that people are leaving you good, good feedback and you're doing a good job. Right. And on your website, right? Somebody yeah. comes to your website and they see people that they can relate to that have used your services. It helps Somebody validate you. And help what? It helps validate your business. And it your validates people. your business because it's uh, people trust reviews from third from other people almost more than any other form of of public relations or marketing, much more than an advertising, much more than even a you know an influencer. They trust reviews if you treat them honestly and you're not and transparently and you don't just show the good reviews. People tend to trust them and it becomes just a an affirmation for them so they can feel comfortable buying from you. Right. Yeah. So the impact of reviews on a business, how does, how, how, like we talked a little bit about the social proof and the validation um, and we can take reviews off of uh, maybe Google and put them on social media and then put them on our website. I, I have a question that I get a lot. And I'd like to present it to you and just kind of hear how you answer it. I've got my own way of answering it. But um, when when we have conversations with our clients about putting their Google reviews on their website and um, uh, you know, their Yelp reviews on their website, things like that, uh, every once in a while I'll get a question, well, isn't that duplicate content? Um, and so how do you answer that question? So firstly, there's a misconception about duplicate content on multiple levels. One is that there's some penalty involved with duplicate content. The second is what is duplicate content? And duplicate content is two complete web pages that are exactly the same right. or 80 or 90% the same. So having a few reviews on your website that exist elsewhere in the internet isn't duplicate content, firstly. Secondly, it actually creates makes your page more unique 
because it takes 100, 200, 500 characters that weren't on your page and adds that content to your page. So the case of reviews, it actually is the opposite of, of duplicate content. It's unique content that Google sees in the context of the rest of your page. Uh, certainly, you know, fine to do. Um, if you're worried about that from the point of view of, of that or other things, which you shouldn't be. I mean, first party reviews are, are, are very, are, you own them. This goes back to my idea that you should own your assets in the digital world, own your customer relationship. So first party reviews, most consumers are more willing to give you a direct review than to take the, than to give a review to Google. Probably 30 or 40% of your customers will give you a direct review. 10 or 15% might leave a review of Google. Well, what do you care where they give you that feedback? You, feedback is what's important. And then there's no question about it being duplicate content because it's only being shown on your website. But I, duplicate content is not, doesn't come into play in this situation at all. I mean, basically, it's just the opposite. Awesome. And I want to talk a little bit about SEO and reviews and how that can impact. But before we get into that, we've got an ad spot that we've got to run, one of which is recorded. And the other one, I'm just going to go on the fly with it because my buddy over here, Schweiss, uh, we got to finalize that. But go ahead. Somer is a European-based garage door opener manufacturer who has recently opened Somer USA out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Serving more than 90 countries worldwide, with our 40 years of experience, Somer produces one of the highest quality openers on the market. Combining German engineering and manufacturing, Somer uses direct drive technology to make their openers and opener accessories durable, long-lasting, quiet, and with the maximum lifting force. Further, Somer has earned both IDA and DASMA certifications by maintaining the quality and innovation standards set in place by national and international garage door associations. Maintaining these standards has allowed Somer to create the most versatile operator on the market, featuring unique optimization and diagnostic tools to make their operator perfect for every job and every customer. For more information on Somer operators, visit somer usa.com that's s-o-m-m-e-r-usa.com or contact their charlotte office at 877-766-6607 somer's gonna have to give me a little bit of a more simple script there i obviously have a hard time with english but before we get back to the show i gotta tell you a little bit about schweiss door schweiss door is one of the most amazing doors you will ever see in your life you see them on air uh, airplane hangers you can see them at uh, basketball uh, some of the professional basketball teams use them on their uh, stadiums I mean these things are exotic they're absolutely gorgeous uh, we they can use hydraulic or straps and these straps have been used uh, for quite some time and what they do for a bifold door or a, a overhead glass door is they create the opportunity to have reduced amount of maintenance required by the company that buys it so they're not only super durable but they've proven to be less maintenance and with a door that big and that heavy it's one of the greatest things you can do for your client. I highly recommend installing Schweiss doors. Schweiss doors has been around forever. Check out their website at bifold.com. They've done some things where they've actually created a door that looks like the facade of a house and it opens up and they can actually pull a plane in there. I mean, how cool is that? You could do so many different things with this door. I highly recommend check them out. Bifold.com. Bifold.com. 
Mr. Swice is also one of the greatest men I've ever met in the industry. Check out his podcast that we did last season in season three. And I think he was even in season two when we were at the, uh, the expo. Thank you guys. Enjoy Schweiss door. Check him out at bifold.com. All right, we're back. I was winging that. I thought I did a pretty decent job for winging it. Anyway, we got to get the script down. Um, so Mike, thank you for being with us. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the SEO effects of reviews on your website. One of the reasons why I love gather up is because as an SEO, uh, person, I've been doing SEO since around 2001 as well, when I started doing it for car dealerships. And one of the things that, uh, I quickly have realized is you're adding content, adding fresh content is great. But if you can get somebody else to add content to the website, that's even better, right? So like Google sees that the, the page has been updated. You've got new content when it gets crawled. And then in some cases, these reviews that get put onto the website automatically using GatherUp um, actually have uh, some rich content, some keywords that could be used uh, to boost SEO as well. Tell us a little bit about that and some of the effects of having those first-party reviews on your website. Sure. So with GatherUp, you can do what we call auto-tagging. You can also do manually manual tagging. So that allows reviews to be categorized by people, places, or things. So you could have reviews associated with specific areas that you do work. You could have reviews associated with specific services. So let's say uh, garage door maintenance and anybody who mentions maintenance or repairs, those reviews get tagged in real time automatically based on the keywords you've given gather up. And then they get streamed in real time to your maintenance page. So this is one of the biggest problems in local websites is that the information on the website becomes stale and it's hard to keep updated. Most local garage door people aren't bloggers. They aren't constantly changing their content. They don't even like to do that. And so this creates this stream of very relevant content. So it's going to use keywords that you've identified for specific pages. And it's going to be from people like the people reading your website. So it, it's in their language, uh, not your language. I mean, when I listened to your ads just now, there was a number of technical terms that I'm not familiar with. And it became clear that, you know, like every industry, garage doors has their own language. And the difficulty is for an owner to, to speak the way the consumer speaks. So reviews are from consumers streamed in real time to your website categorized however you want to categorize them keeping your website constantly fresh these everybody says google likes fresh content mm -hmm. well it's true but it has to be relevant content and it can't be repetitive sort of inane content regurgitated. Has, and so reviews really fit the bill for helping fill out those pages and keeping them fresh so let me ask you a question i'm not even sure i, I know that we sell your product as part of our packages um, thank you. And my children, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no problem. It's a good product. I, I enjoy it. It's been very helpful for both my, my local business and we have it for such and such media. We have it for air and overhead doors and we have some clients that use it. Uh, and what's great about it for us is, you know, the clients who don't want to deal with it, they literally just export all the jobs they did for the previous week, shoot them over to us. And then we send them out for them. 
Uh, it's as simple as that. And any admin staff usually can do that within just a couple minutes. So it doesn't cost them anything. And then we're getting them a higher rate of reviews because of it. So uh, it, thank you for building a good product. Uh, one of the questions that I've got for you, though, is you know, we talked about um, tagging and routing some of the reviews that are left to specific pages, which I think is brilliant. Like, I love that technology. I think it's awesome. Um, can we actually geotag? Uh, I'm asking this because I don't know. Um, can we geotag that? Uh, send along, like, when we send the review, can we say this came from a customer in Buford, Georgia, and then when she leaves a review, it actually puts Buford, Georgia next to her name, maybe? It, so we, with this tagging, that one assumes your job system exports the city they're from when you export the job. So that city could become a tag in our system. Mm -hmm. And then, then you could say, give me the reviews that are tagged for Buford and put them on the Buford page. Correct. We don't have any, I mean, so they are Buford specific uh, reviews from people in Buford, right. but we don't add any specific geocoding. You've already, we assume you've already added that to your Buford page. Correct. Right. So the Buford page one assumes has, you know, plenty of geo located location information and brand and where you do and what you do in Buford. And then the reviews just sort of fill that out, but they'll flow automatically from your upload. So you just name the city as a tag and yeah. then the reviews get pushed to the Buford. Page. I was just curious if we did like Susan Smith, right? From Buford, Georgia. The, the only way you could do that would be if you, it, it, there's a workaround in our system where you'd have to use their last name, which we, uh, or their first name, uh, if you concate their first name field, so Susan from Buford uh, as a first name, then it would show in her system that way. Okay. So you'd have to concate the first name to do that. That's that's interesting. Um, does it, I guess when you send it to the customer, does it say, hey, Susan from Buford? Um, if you personalized it, it would. Okay. So, yeah, that's a problem with that. I mean, currently... Again, we don't. We're not going to geocode the review specifically. Right yeah, now. I got you. Uh, no big deal. I was just curious. It was an idea that popped in my head. It's I get a, good a lot idea. of them. Yeah. I get like fifty thousand ideas but, within every hour, right. so I, I have to weed out all most of them because they're horrible. But well, but sending, but building service area pages that have unique. It's difficult building service area pages. It is because a lot of times service thousands area pages. Of them look exactly the same as the other service area page. So reviews from people in those cities make each of those pages totally unique from Google's point of view. Yeah. Back to that same question you asked before. So they serve a really important purpose in that context, and it's easy to do. So one of the things that I really love is responding to reviews. Um, I believe that uh, responding appropriately is important. I also believe that people read your responses, especially to bad reviews. One of the things I do now when I go shopping for something, I'll, I'll sort by worst review and then I'll read the, the customer's complaint and then I'll read the response of the owner or whoever's, you know, and if I feel like they handled it really well and they're level headed and I, I feel really good that if there's a problem, I'm not looking for perfection when I hire somebody, but I do want to know if it hits the fan we can have a conversation and come up with a resolution that works for both of us. 
And that's what I'm looking for when I'm looking at these responses. Can you talk a little bit about responding to reviews and how that works? Sure. So in our system, you can respond directly to first party reviews, Facebook reviews, Google reviews directly in our dashboard. So you don't have to go three places to do it. Um, I think like you, I'm a big believer in review responses. If sometimes businesses have to work on a triage basis out of time to respond to all reviews, if that's the case, then you definitely want to respond to the negative reviews. That's sort of required. Right. Um, and when you do, you have to realize that, like you said, people aren't expecting to be perfect. They're expecting you to accept responsibility. Um, and, and you have to also realize that you may have lost, you may or may not have lost that customer. You probably have, but you're writing your response for the next Correct. thousand customers that read that review. So you have to sort of put your big boy pants on, as mm -hmm. they say. And what I frequently tell business owners to do is to step back, write the review response offline, send it to somebody you trust who then will remove any defensiveness from it because it's very easy for a business owner who takes great pride in what they're doing to become or to appear to be defensive. Yep. And I, I'm glad, in fact, if somebody emails me with a review response before you post it, I'd be glad to look at it for you, Mike, at gatherup.com. I oh, just think brave. that it's, it's good to put another set of eyes on this so that you can project the best you right. and the best vision of you. So I agree um, about, I don't have very many bad reviews, but we've gotten a few and uh, I, I have a procedure that I do. I try not to respond to them within 24 hours. Um, nothing's going to kill me during that time. And, you know, I've got 731 Google reviews right now. Um, one, I remember one lady called me out to do early. I was doing the door sales for the company and I went out and I was talking to her and she said, you know why you're here? I'm like, yeah, I'm giving you a quote for a new doors. And she's like, no, no, no. She's like, you're here because I did a search. I'm very thorough in my research. She said, um, do you remember that lady that left a review talking about this, this, and this, and you responded to it. And she said, I thought your response was perfect. And it made me realize that, you know, even those lady took shots at you and uh, had a bad experience, um, you apologized and attempted to make it right. And, um, and she's like, you know, that's that's a trait that not a lot of business owners have and businesses struggle with that. And she said, I, I like that. And I, I wanted to do business with you because of that review and how you responded. Um, and so I believe that that's uh, a big deal. As a matter of fact, um, one of my favorite reviews I of all time. I just got it six days ago. You want to know what it is? Yeah, sure. So I got a five-star review from a lady named Gasby Brown, and it's four words. It's my favorite review I've ever received. It says, expensive but worth it. I like there that. There you go. That's great. <laughs> I, I, I want to stick that on my homepage, but all my team told me not to. <laughs> Uh, so we don't want to be the cheap guys, but we, uh, we definitely want to, um, to do a good job and I want people to pay for the service. So, um, all right. So let's talk about reviews and ranking. Um, we talked a little bit about best practices Is there anything else about best practices and ways to get reviews that, uh, that we didn't hit on. Well, I think two things about, there's a lot of, 
every business is a little different. So finding a way to facilitate the flow of information into a review automation system is critical, like you talked about the export and import, or perhaps doing that with Zapier automatically tying together with QuickBooks or Salesforce, that sort of stuff. But I think, so to me, automation really helps, you know, uh, that flow, because if you don't ask, you don't get. But the second part of it is the human part of it. And that is that communicating with your customers that you expect them and you hope that they would give you feedback and getting that social commitment from them verbally prior to following up. So as part of the sale, as part of the, even as part of the quote, and then part of the sale, as part of the quote, you say, you know, part of our process here is, you know, to give you the quote, then we do the job, and then we're going to ask you for feedback. So we hope you, you know, agree with all that. And then when this job is done, the person in the field says, you know, we're going to follow up with an email. We hope you mention the repair we did, and uh, we would appreciate that. So that it ends up creating an expectation on the part of the client. And if you do it at the last moment you've touched them, i.e. after the repair or the installation, there's a social commitment. And that increases uh, participation dramatically. It goes from, you know, 5 10%, 20% to 40 50 60%. So it's a human touch. is building it into your workflow, that communication, uh, and the expectation of the client that plus automation you know it just keeps it ticking keeps right. going and brings people in because again some percentage of people aren't going to give you a review no way no how yeah uh my research indicates that's roughly 50 percent of the people haven't ever left a review don't plan on ever leaving a review right of that 50 percent many of them don't want to speak publicly so if you're only asking for google reviews that might drop, like I said, drop down. to. They may not even have a Gmail account too. So that kicks them out. Right, exactly. So there's a funnel and the more you can put people in the funnel and the more sort of compatible with the funnel they are, the more you're going to get. So that's both a human and an automated process. So I ask my team for 30% of our jobs to leave us reviews. Is that a fair expectation of my team? You think? I know I mean, right now we're probably I mean, in the low I, you know, every business is different I, yeah. and every client base is different and every communication strategy is different. Uh, I think you can get 30% if you do everything properly. Um, you know, it's in terms of getting Google reviews at 30%, that's a, that's a, it's a reach goal, but it's probably doable. Uh, it's just, you know, it's, it's on the high side from what we see statistically, but, but, you know, when I look at a hundred thousand or 200,000 or a million reviews, most businesses aren't bothering to communicate with their clients, to ask them to do it. They're just sending out an email. And I want to ask they, you about so, two platforms and get your opinion real quick. Uh, Facebook and Nextdoor. So I'm a huge fan of Nextdoor. I think people know that I'm, I preach it all the time. I think for us as a home service company, there's no better audience on a platform than people on Nextdoor. I know the people on Nextdoor that have been around a long time don't really love seeing all the ads, but uh, it's a captive audience and it's very cheap to advertise there. And we were an ad agency for them. And so um, we, we run ads for our clients on Nextdoor and we see great results. Uh, but they do a recommendation. Um, how do you feel about next door recommendations and how do you feel about, um, doing like Facebook recommendations? 
Um, I'm not that familiar with next door to be perfectly honest. We don't really have it where I live. I'm very rural and it's not really enough volume to have an active next door world. So I'm not that familiar with it. You know, I think social recommendations are great because they're peer to peer. Yeah. The, one of the things I like about Facebook is a recommendation can become a conversation. It's one of the few places that can happen. I don't know how they're handled in, in Nextdoor. In other words, in Facebook, you know, not only does the person leaving the recommendation get a can get a response from the owner, but they can get responses from other users, and then the owner can have an ongoing conversation. So you can actually solve a problem there, which I like. Yeah. Um, I'm not that familiar with Nextdoor, but but any time it's a true peer to peer recommendation, it's powerful. Um, so. I'm a big believer of using anything that works, uh, anything that's cheap, even is the second big belief. Mm -hmm. um, so, but but I also expect an ROI, right? I mean, yeah. if the ads cost X and if they're not generating Y, then you need to know, you need to be able to measure it, know how many people are coming from the ad so that you can make sure that it's all being done with accountability. Right, okay. Let's talk about review attributes. This is, this is something new that Google rolled out to, I guess, entice people to leave feedback instead of just hitting a star rating and moving on. Talk a little bit about the uh, review attributes and the changes that you've seen in reviews since that happened. So review attributes, uh, Google has experimented with them over in the past in 2010 with a product called Hotbot that most of you don't remember with Google Plus, with Zagat, they experimented with them. But they rolled it out in your industry about a year ago, not very sort of with much fanfare, but basically what they are are structured attributes. Um, so when somebody goes to leave you a review in your industry, it then, let me just check what the attributes are in your industry. Uh, so they give you four or five uh, attributes. Let me just see what, what they actually are. Um, no, I'm not seeing them. Weird. Uh, well, could be because of the category. Um, so these review attributes are structured. Uh, selection so if you pick four or five stars you get four positives if you take choose one or two stars you get one or two negatives um the uh and there's the same to every user so one of the problems with google reviews is we see a lot of uh ratings only reviews right where somebody you know uh leaves a rating um, and they don't um, leave anything else, right? So right. that's There's not helpful no to the customer. Yeah. It's not helpful to Google. It's not helpful to the business. With review attributes, um, what you end up getting is, um, you know, a structured semantic feedback and that it's always the same from customer to customer. So it's very valuable in that regard. Um, and so we just, we just like it a lot. It's, you see it more in the service industries rather than the product industries. So, um, and they're pulling out uh, keywords, key phrases, like uh, I'm looking here where, and I, I think they've been doing this for a while, but uh, you know, 
36 times Aaron overhead doors in the reviews. Uh, people mentioned efficient. So I love that. Right. So th those that you see, I, I thought you're, depends a little bit on what category you have. So those are called places topics, right? So this is an artificial intelligence that's doing sentiment analysis of the nouns and verbs that are used and pulling out frequently used topics. And then when you select them, bring it up the reviews that mention those topics. Um, but there's, and I, I thought it was in garage doors, but if you're a garage, if your category is garage door supplier, you don't get them. Mm. If your garage door repair category, you do get them. Without this review attributes. So I apologize for not knowing that about your industry, but I just discovered it. So it depends on what category you're in, whether you get these attributes as opposed to the laces topics. Right. Now I commonly get, um, I commonly leave reviews. So I've seen it uh, when I've left reviews. It's really nice. You can just, uh, it gives you like blocks of words that you can just choose words that best describe exactly. your experience. You click them, hit next, and then it asks, um, do you want to leave any comments regarding? Right. So I found one that's categorized uh, garage door repair. They're given four attributes, quality, value, professional, and responsive. So good, when you leave four or five, you get good quality, good value, professional, responsive. If you leave one or two, you get poor quality, poor value, not professional, not responsive. So this adds structured data to, to the review, um, which takes ratings reviews and gives them more meaning um, and allows you to compare yourself to other dealers that are in the repair space so you can see what ones they have. You can also get consistency review to review so you can see if you're not as responsive, it's going to show up there or if you're not perceived as providing good value. In the case of your review, expensive but worth it, that means it's great value. You can that'll show up as a positive attribute in these. So um, these review attributes are only visible. They're not Google's weird. They don't surface them in the Google My Business area, and they don't even surface them. I think in the emails they sent you about reviews, uh, you can only see them by going directly to your listing at Google and looking at your reviews. Or Gather Up is now monitoring them, so you can see them there. I thought they were so important that you know I encouraged my our team to build a monitor for them. Yeah. Well, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. And uh, I, I always value your opinion. Anytime I see you're a speaker at somewhere, I try to jump online and check it out. I just have this note about opinions, right? They're kind of like noses and a-holes. Everybody's got one and they all <laughs> smell. You know, it's just an opinion. You yeah, need yeah. to develop your, test it yourself and figure out whether what I said is true. Yeah, I hear you. Um, so I challenge everybody to follow him on Twitter. He's pretty active on Twitter. You want to give him your Twitter handle? M Blumenthal on Twitter. There you go. And, um, he's, uh, uh, he's wise. He's been around for a long time. Uh, I value his opinion. I think he does a good job. And, uh, so because we're a partner of gather up and we're talking about reputation management, uh, such and such media is going to offer all of our listeners. If you sign up for, uh, reputation management so we can help you get more reviews and uh, improve your reputation online get some of these reviews on your social media and even on your website we can do that for you and for the first 30 days is going to be free 
And uh, if you choose to continue, um, then you can. And our pricing is actually really easy. It's on our website. You can go to suchsuchmedia.com, uh, click the button for reputation management. You can see the pricing. There's a few options there. And if you want to discuss it, hit me up. I'll be glad to talk to you about it. Um, and there's no obligation. If you don't like it after 30 days, drop off. Uh, and that's okay. We're all good with it. So anyway, Mike, thank you so much for coming on board. We really appreciate uh, talking to you. And whatever your next venture is, uh, I'll be following along and cheering you on. Well, maybe a couple. I have a few irons in the fire, and I'm not going to exclude any possibilities. So you never know. Well, I, uh, I, and by the, I am staying with Gather Up. I mean, I'm going to become like a founder emeritus. So I will continue on with Gather Up in an advisory capacity. So I'm not leaving. Yeah. I really, you know, I feel strongly about the employees there and the customers there. So I don't want to, I don't want anybody to think I'm abandoning ship. I'm not. Right. But I am looking for other things to explore. So we'll see how it goes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you uh, setting aside some time to uh, to speak with us. And uh, anything else you want to add? Just be safe out there. Yep. Our guys are in and out of houses all the time, so uh, we definitely have to stay safe. I appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Have a good day. All right. Thanks you, so much for having me. Bye.